a great day to uh, be sharing Mother's Day with family and friends. Uh, I mean, it's 21 degrees, but sun's out. If you stand there long enough, you might get a tan, but you might have to stand there a few hours. But anyway, it's still good. Um, but even as I look around the room, or even if, if, if I think about all the different types of mothers out there, there's so many mothers that we can celebrate on Mother's Day. There are biological mothers uh, that are out there. There are stepmothers, adoptive mothers, foster mothers, single mothers, spiritual mothers. There are lots of different types of mothers. Mothers that work full-time, mothers that work full-time at home, mothers that have lost their own mothers. But today I speak to every physical and every spiritual mother here on behalf of our church. We, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you do. We, we love your heart. We, we appreciate you. We honor you. And we, we thank you for your sacrifice and everything that you've done for yourselves, for your family, and even for our church and what you've done and, and the heart and the modeling of Christ that you've done. And we, we're really praying that, you know, whether physical or spiritual mothers, we pray that God continues to, to grow you and develop you in the way that he's designed you to be. Um, but that's not to say that men are important, okay? Let's not say that. I'm not saying that. Uh, men provide love and strength. They provide security, unity. They provide direction. But today is Mother's Day. So it's directed at the mothers today. You'll get your turn, men. You'll get your turn, all right? Okay, fathers. I've never actually preached on Mother's Day. And I thought, hey, what a great opportunity to be talking about mothers, the motherly aspect of God. And I, as I studied into it, I, I was um, surprised to see and be so delighted to see an aspect of God in, in, a, in a motherly kind of way. And, um, you know, just exploring the, differently, the different aspects of God is so powerful, um, you know. And, uh, and there's, uh, we, we know that God is a father, okay? I'm not saying that God is a woman. I'm not saying that. God is a father, right? But there are aspects. God's created both male and female, and there are aspects there that God's created in each person and designed each person in a different way. And, and that, that, that aspect is what I want to illuminate today. And I want to honor the godly characteristics of a mother and, uh, and honor the, the characteristics that shine through a mother, whether spiritual or physical, and many women in our wider community. So looking at mothers and looking at females, there, there are a, a lot of stories about women in the Bible that, that, uh, through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, but there, there's very few references uh, where God uses himself as a female character. To describe his character. See, like I said, God is our father and we know him, but there are many aspects of that mother, of, of the love of the mother, uh, that represent our heavenly father that we can see here, uh, in, in our mothers and whether physical and spiritual mothers. See, fathers help us to understand, uh, he, he under, it, it help, it'll help us to understand his character in a, in a holistic view in a holistic way, and I'll explain what, the, what I mean by that in a moment. Just move this out of the way. See, the prophet Isaiah says, said to God's people on Isaiah 66.13, a mother comforts a child, so I will comfort you. As a mother comforts a child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. I know all the religious people are going, hold on, God's not. Okay, just work with me here. Okay, we'll get there. Preaching the truth here. Okay. So God, he uses animal, he uses animal mothering instincts. So he will use animal, animal 
mothering instincts would have cubs and have babies to describe some of his characteristics in the Bible. In Hosea 13.8, God described himself as a mother bear. Imagine, you know, someone to try to, trying to take a baby cub from a mother bear. That's what God is like, okay? <laughs> in Deuteronomy 32, 11 and 12, he says he describes himself as a mother eagle. Imagine those claws trying to get the baby. Good luck. It's not going to happen. One of the scriptures we find is in Matthew 23, where Jesus references God as a mother hen, chicken. He references himself as a chicken, out of all things. Ah, the scripture's already out there. Matthew 23, 37, 39. This is Jesus talking, right? And I'll give you a bit of context after that, after I read the scripture. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those that are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you'll not see me again until you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So just to give you context of around that scripture, um, in previous chapters before this, Jesus is announcing that he accepts all people. He's saying, I accept the unlovable. I accept the unclean. I accept all people. I bring him in. The doors are open. You know, those scriptures where, I mean, I think it was in chapter 23, the chapter beforehand. He's saying where, where Jesus is talking about opening up a banquet and people didn't come, the distinguished guests didn't come. And he said, hey, go, go to the highways, go to the byways. Get anybody that wants to hear. Get anybody that wants to be on my table. Wow. And, and that was a big concept at the time for the Jews. So he calls all of them off the streets. He calls people off the streets, the highways, all sorts of promiscuous places. He announces that they accepted and they invited in God's church and in his kingdom if they would repent and accept Jesus as the Messiah. See, the Jewish leaders, they didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that Jesus now opened the doors to all people, including non-Jews. I mean, that's, that just doesn't make sense. See, they, the, Jew, the Jews, they wanted an exclusive religion, uh, only for the Jews, only for the elites, only for the leaders. And Jesus invites all people, regardless of background, their physical appearance, and their social status. See, the Jews were expecting a king to conquer. They wanted the king to conquer the world through warfare, through all different types of, of, of ways. They expected that a tough, brutal ruler, you know, to come in, a harsh judge, that will, that will lead the Israelites to victory. They expected all of that from Jesus or from the Messiah. They wanted all this to happen. They thought it was going to happen. They were expecting God to kill all the, all the Israel's enemies. They wanted God, they were going, God's going to come in. He's going to come in tough ruler, tough judge, and we're going to be on his side. And, you know, he's going to kill everyone that doesn't, that's against us. They were expecting all of that. See, but Jesus, he preached a kingdom full of compassion, forgiveness. Love and mercy, completely different. See, the, the leaders at the time, they couldn't understand the God, the, the concept of God that's, that's a loving father embracing all people, regardless if they were sinners or non-Jews. They rejected this idea. They completely rejected it. Said, no, 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 that's not the Messiah. That's not true. And they wanted him dead. They wanted Jesus dead because of, of, of this teaching. They were calling themselves God's chosen leaders, Yet they were tough, they were cruel, they were judgmental towards people. And, and you might know some people like that. They were completely rejected. They completely rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Everything they did was for show. Their religious practices were promoting selfishness, 
promoting self-righteousness. Sometimes that happens in churches. They will reject any commoners, anyone that, that didn't look like them. They will put heavy burdens on people. The Jewish leaders, they completely lacked any compassion, mercy, kindness, or even faith. See, and then Jesus comes in, Matthew, in chapter 23, Matthew, and exposes all these myths or false misconceptions about what the Jews at the time thought God was like. He exposed it all, and he exposed all kind of evil that, that the Jews were promoting or, or were doing and saying was of God. So you read all those chapters beforehand about what Jesus is talking about, love and acceptance, and then rebuking the Jews. And then you get to verse 37, and I'll, and I'll read that part again, where it talks, of, and you start to hear God's heart for his people, right? Matthew 23, 37. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you're not willing. See, when you read that, you, you can't help but hear the love of God. You can't help but hear God's heart. You can't help but hear heartbreak. If you read it all in context, you just can't help but hear the heartbreak of God and, and, and the, the love that he has for his people. You see, Jesus could have chosen an eagle in that scripture. I mean, it was fitting because he was rebuking. He was coming down hard on these guys, exposing them. He could have chosen an eagle or a lion. He could have chosen these animals to represent him. You know, he could have done these things. He could have represented a, a characteristic that would cut down the Jews. He could have represented that. And surely many church leaders would have, would have done that, especially when there's such strong opposition. We, we hear the term sometimes spiritual warfare and, you know, all these things, funny sounding things that we hear. But, I mean, they're true, right? But the concept of it and the way it's responded sometimes is not the right way. See, he could have likened, a leader, if they received that opposition, they could have likened themselves to a lion. They could have, it would have been a lot more fitting in that scenario, right? See, but why did God himself, why did Jesus himself choose a chicken? <laughs> it's funny, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing internally. <laughs> I'm going to laugh because I'm talking about a chicken. <laughs> My dad's got like 20-something chickens at home and they're so frail, you know, and we pick them up. Kids run around, they pick them up. They don't even run away. They just, bloop, bloop, and they run away. They don't run, you just pick them up and float them around. But God likened himself to a chicken. I mean, how is that, how's that possible? See, a mother hen, especially in an intense rebuke, does not sound harsh. You're right. I mean, if you're not, you're not going to do that or rebuke anyone and liken yourself to a mother hen if you're coming down hard on someone, right? He could have at least gone for the alpha rooster, right? He could have at least chosen the rooster. See, but God had nothing to prove to these Jews. Throughout the Old Testament, God already revealed himself. God already revealed his character. And, and they were still blind to it. You know, and if God had come strong to crush the Jews the way, you know, some of us probably thought he should have because of the way they were behaving, you know, they, they would have, it would have enforced their view of God. It would have enforced their view that God was a tough judge, a ruler, or a tough ruler, and a, and a warfare victor, king. It would have enforced their view of what God was. But instead, God chose to reveal his character, uh, his characteristic of love, compassion, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. He chooses a chicken, a mothering hen, to reveal his loving characteristics. See, mother hens are protective of their children, right? Wanting to always keep their children close. You think about it. 
they cluck, they pick. They're always watching around for their little chickens. They've got all these little chickens floating around. Always on the lookout, always watching, always making sure they're safe and they're protected, right? Sometimes even mothers or mother figures can be overprotective and overbearing because of their mother instincts. Some of us might have had mothers like that or know of mothers like that. See, mothers are always on the lookout. Whether you're a mother yourself or you have a mothering instinct or you've experienced mother's mothering, you would, you would never hear a mom say, you know, son, daughter, go and put on your best clothes. Get on that bike. Don't worry about your helmet. Find the steepest hill and go hard. You are not going to fall. You will never hear a mother say that. Never. Put on your helmet. Put on your gloves. Put on your knee pads. Put on your jacket. Make sure you don't go to the big hill. Stay flat. Right? I'm sure a lot of us growing up probably would have felt that. We would have experienced that when we were kids. <laughs> you know, but yet that, that, that's just the instinct, that protective instinct in them. And yet within that environment of protection and sometimes overbearing or overprotective, we get that sense of comfort and compassion. We feel it. And now reflecting on it as adults, sometimes if we, if we experience that, we, we understand that instinct. And for many of us who grow up understanding that compassionate side of God through the mother's compassion, right? Think about it. When you're a child and when you got hurt, who would you run to? Would you run to your dad? Do you know the first thing? Mom! Mom! <laughs> and if your mother wasn't around, grandma! And if your grandmother wasn't around, some family friend, female, please give me some comfort. Or if that wasn't around, it'll be looking around on the street looking for a female, hopefully to help me and, and comfort me, right? <laughs> but why? Why did we look to our mothers? Why? We're talking about mothers there, right? This is cool. Why, why would we look to our mothers? <laughs> Because of that caring, compassionate instinct about them, that nature about them, that characteristic about, about them. See, I, I don't go, if I go to a park or any part of the neighborhood, I don't see a child yelling for dad. <laughs> I don't see them when they get hurt. I don't hear dad. I hear mum. I hear that quite a bit. <laughs> Unless there's absolutely no one else around, okay? They're not going to be left to, to their own. You know, dad could have spent the whole day with the kid. But yet when the kid gets hurt, mom! <laughs> Why? Because the, the kid understands that the father doesn't have that comfort switch turned on, that instinct turned on like the mother does. All right? You know, if you run to, you, you know, you know you're, you're, you're already shooting yourself in the foot if you run into the house and scream out, dad, I've hurt myself. Do you know what I was going to say? Wash it off. You'll be all right. Don't worry. You can walk on it. You're, you're limping. Just walk it off. You'll be all right. <laughs> right? <laughs> no pain, no gain. We've heard that before. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I'll be like, well, you know, while you're up there, or while you're walking it off, just go and get me some ice cream. I want to watch a bit of TV. Just get, get out of the way of the TV. <laughs> I remember as a kid in the middle of the night, you know, if I vomited or if I coughed, if I went to the toilet, turned that light on, turn it, mum, mum's behind me. What the, it's like, mum, no, something's there. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> and she'll just wake up. And I never really thought about it, but where was my dad? I never really thought about that until when I was preparing this, I thought, how come my dad never came? <laughs> See, I didn't really understand until I became a dad myself. 
dad was in, in bed pretending to be asleep. That's what was going on. <laughs> be like, kick mom, wake up. <laughs> I'm having fun, all right? <laughs> fathers have a powerful role in a child's life. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm not, I'm only mucking around. Godly fathers, they reflect God's heart too in, in other aspects, right? But just not in the middle of the night. Don't try to get them to reflect God's heart at that night. <laughs> well, most fathers anyway, some fathers can. Not me. <laughs> but that internal instinct, that internal instinct of protection, comfort, compassion from a mother is very consistent with how the Bible describes God's character. You think about it. So even if you go back to a mother hen, scientific research shows that a mother hen has the ability to feel the pain of the chick. Like it can actually feel the pain when a chick gets hurt, right? I mean, I, I, I would imagine if a dad felt the pain of a kid, they'll be a bit more comforting. But they're like, just wash it off. You'll be okay. Just don't even put a band-aid. Let it air dry. <laughs> See, in First Peter 5, 7, it says, Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Wow. That's our God. It's like he feels our pain. It's like God can feel our pain when we're going through things. And he wants to share that pain together. What a loving God. What a powerful verse. But if we think about it for a moment, you know, if, if, we, if God was truly, you know, watching over us, caring for us, concerned for us to take the burden, why do so many Christians still worry every day? Right? Why do we still worry and care so much every day? And, you know, with everything going on, there's more and more panic and worry going on every day. But if we truly believed that God was a caring father, that he feels your pain and he can relate to that, would we trust in him? Ask yourself the question, would you give all your cares to him? So the, the real question is, do we really trust God? Do we really trust his word? So it could it be that we haven't truly experienced his love, compassion, kindness, and mercy? Maybe our view of God is wrong. Think about it. Not completely wrong, okay? I'm not saying we're, we've missed it and we're, you know, I'm not saying that, but maybe there's some aspects that we haven't considered or we're not really believing or we're not really understanding. You see, for many Christians, even non-believers, God's always been viewed as a tough Conquering king, a harsh judge, condemning me at everything that I do, you know? Just exactly like the Jews viewed, it, viewed God. When we think of God as a tough ruler and a judge that condemns, we separate ourselves from God. How do you, how do you connect with a God that's tough, that's a judge, that will condemn you at everything that you do? How can you connect? You can't. Would you trust somebody if you thought that way? No, we couldn't. It's too hard. We can't do that. We don't do that in our normal relationships. Someone breaks your trust and they're insensitive to you. Mate, there's the door. You never talk to them again, right? Unless they're a really close friend and you've got to slap them into line. No, I'm joking. <laughs> See, growing up in a traditional Christian denomination, I was terrified of God. I was thinking about it last night. I remember when the lightning and the thunder struck Man, I thought God, that was God trying to punish me. I thought, man, our house, where's the hole? The house is going to come crumbling down. 
I really thought that. I was terrified. Every time something bad happened, it'd be like God's punishing me for something that I did. (laughs) I thought when someone wronged me or when I got a flat tire, it's God punishing me. God, why? Why? (laughs) But many of you even think that sometimes it could be true. But it's not true, okay? That's not God. It's not true. We're in a broken world. Bad things happen, right? That's why God came to save the world. He didn't come to save a perfected world. He came to save a broken world. So bad things happen to good people. And it's not God that's doing it, okay? <laughs> see, when I walked in, in, into the old church buildings, I would see the, the big old cross and the dead man lying down, and I thought of standing up hung on the cross, Jesus, of course, the statue of Jesus. And I would shriver and terrified but because I thought, maybe that's going to happen to me. You know, as a kid, you're like, what the... No one's explaining it. It's like you're seeing all the stations of the cross going, oh, oh, that looks painful. Oh, oh, that, you know, I don't know if this is for me. And as I got older, because I didn't understand God, I rebelled against him. Because I didn't understand his love, I rebelled against God. I turned away from him. I turned to a life of selfishness. So I'm going to be my own God, right? That's what selfishness does, pride. I'm going to be my own guy. I'm going to, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to rule my own way. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's too hard. It's just too hard. I always thought that God was a tough ruler, a tough judge. It was too hard to please. So if it's too hard to please, why try it all? You know, I've heard Christians over the years, even me thinking it over the years, it's like, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. Why am I going to ever bother? You know, I'll do what I can and that's it. You know, kind of attitude because it's like half-hearted. Because it's like, I'm never going to get there. Get where? He's done it, right? But it's like there's these things in our mind that we think that we need to achieve or we need to, I mean, the world's taught us that, right? But that we need to get somewhere or be at a certain level for God to love us. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. And I couldn't see past that. And because I couldn't see past it, it was half-hearted. Maybe you can relate with that. See, but my eyes over the years have been opened to his love, compassion, mercy, forgiveness. Long way to go. But I love preaching about his love. I love it because there's so much freedom and joy in it and understanding him in, in that way because for so long we, we didn't, we couldn't see that way. And God's got that aspect of compassion and love and kindness. Man, so good. You see, the truth is, yes, God is ruler, God is king, God is judge. That's true. And he will judge the sinners and and rebellion accordingly. But he also is full of mercy, love, compassion, kindness. Psalm 145.8 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. So pink, eh? Just trying to look up. (laughs) A lot of estrogen going on right now. <laughs> I looked up and I'm like, what? I can't read that. <laughs> See, for many of us to understand God's love and trust him completely, we need to see God as a compassionate, loving, kind God, not just as a king and a judge. You see, when you understand the truth, when you experience his love, that's when you will trust him. When you understand the truth, 
and you experience his love as real, that's when you'll trust him. Then you'll feel safe, cry out to God, much like David did in Psalm 40, 11. God, do not withhold your compassion from me, O God, O Lord. May your mercy and your truth always protect me. Wow. The truth will set you free. When you experience his love and compassion and mercy, it's easier to trust him, right? It's easier to cast your worries and cast your cares on him. And just like a mother hearing from their child, Mom, I need you. Their motherly instincts kick in. They got all excited, I'm needed. But that's like God. God's the same. God, I need you. Mate, he gets excited when you're dependent on him, when you rely on him. He gets happy. And that's when he can provide his comfort, his protection, his compassion, his faithful love when you turn to him and when you depend on him. Just like a mother hen, God will protect. Mother hen, so funny. God will protect. He will comfort. He will even sacrifice his own life. Mother hens do that. I read a story about, uh, you know, there was a snake in a hen pen. There was a, a, a preacher who was talking about it. And, uh, and he was watching, looking for, there was all this, you know, commotion going on. Big mother hen gets in there, grabs that snake, gives it a couple of shakes out the door. Mate, sacrifice your life, man. You could have died there. But, mate, the instinct comes up. God wants to protect. Sacrifices his life for your own life. There's a sad story I read and I was, as I was preparing the message, and I want to read it to you to describe the love of God revealed in the characteristics of a mother, honoring mothers. During the Second World War, millions of Jewish people were killed during the Holocaust. One story came from Solomon Rosenberg. He and his wife and two sons and parents were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a labor camp and the rules were simple. As long as you can do your work, you're permitted to live. Pretty harsh, eh? When you become too weak to do your work, then you're exterminated. Pretty tough in a concentration camp. Uh, Rosenberg watched his mother and father march off to their deaths. Uh, they were getting too old, marched off. And he knew the next would be his youngest son, David. David had always been a frail child. Every evening, Rosenberg came up to the barracks after his hours of labor and searched for the faces of the family. When he found them, they would huddle together, embrace each other, and thank God for another day of life. One day, Rosenberg came back, and he didn't see those familiar faces. He finally found his oldest son, Joshua, in a corner, huddled, weeping and praying. He said, Josh, tell me it's not true. Josh turned and said, it's true, Papa. Today, David is not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. But where's your mother? Asked Rosenberg. Oh, Papa, he said. When they came for David, he was afraid and cried. Mama said, there is nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand and went with him, and they both were executed that day. Powerful, eh? What a powerful story. That mother displayed the same characteristics of God. That motherly instinct would not let her child walk alone. Eh? Powerful. If you've been feeling like you've been walking alone, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a hand reaching out like that mother reached out to the son and walked. Look at Psalm 23, 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. 
your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, you're walking to your death or walking through a troubled time, walking through disaster of a period in life. Even though you walk through that, he's there to comfort and protect you. Just like that mother, God will never leave you or abandon you. Look at Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord is one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. God will never let you walk alone, just like that mother, because of his faithful love, that instinct, that godly character within him. He will never let you go. The other godly characteristic this mother displayed was sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. A love that is willing to die. A love that is willing to die for you. Like a mother, it's intimate. It's sacrificial, that love. So intimate. God's ultimate display of his character was when he endured all the way to the cross so that you would not be punished for your sins and taste eternal, eternal death. 1 John 4, 9-10, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, for some of you who have been going through life, or even your Christian life, thinking, God is love. God is love. Amen. God is love. God is love. But you've never really experienced that personal love. That's why I read out that story, because it's a display of that personal love, intimate love. Many of you might have heard God is love a thousand times, all the best messages around it. But it's, it's never really transformed you or changed you or changed your, your lifestyle, your behaviors, your actions. You probably, in your life, you probably viewed God as a tough ruler, a tough judge condemning you at everything that you do, pointing out all the wrongs. Maybe you viewed God that way. There are some here who have never experienced the love, the compassion, the protection of a, of a mother, warping your views of what compassion might even look like. Some of you might have lost a mother at a young age or lost a mother's touch because of addictions, mental health issues. For some, Mother's Day, even Mother's Day, is painful because it reminds you of the broken relationships. Some are just sad the mother is no longer with them to feel the touch or the embrace. But the good news is the Bible talks about our God, our God. He invites us, his children, into his family to, to feel that embrace, to feel that compassion, to feel that love, the protection, the comfort. See, even in an imperfect world or broken world or an imperfect family, God invites you to receive his love from a view of a mother's characteristics, protection, comforting, compassion, forgiving, merciful, never abandoning, self-sacrificing love. See, many of you could have confused God's faithful love for God's love for all creation. Maybe you just said, well, that's easy to understand. God loves everything. God loves the world. That's, that's great. Very good. Yes, everyone is a creation of God. Yes, and God loves his creation. God's love is available to all people, whether believers or non-believers. 
God's love is available for all. But it isn't until you put your faith in him that you become, that you move from being a creation to a child of God. Galatians 3.26, all of you are God's children because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So you're not God's children because you attended church each week. You're not God's children because you've participated in giving. You move from creation to child because of your own faith in Jesus Christ and trusting in him. The Lord will protect and comfort you when you are a child of God. He'll protect and comfort you. Like it said in Matthew 23, he'll protect you like a hen under the wings. Psalm 94, uh, 91, 4. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. See, God today invites you to be a child of God and to experience his great love under his wings and to understand him holistically. He is both ruler, judge, king, but is also faithful, compassionate, loving, just like a mother hen, mother hen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thank you, Father. So you can move from creation to God immediately. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to have your life all in order. Just where you're sitting right now. If that's God, we'll take that later. <laughs> Actually, we take him right now. Receive him right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Just where you're sitting right now. In your heart, whether you're, you've, you've been a Christian for a long time, whether you, you've, this is new to you, whether you've walked away from God, or you've, you've seen, been seeing God for way too long as a ruler and a judge and a condemner for way too long. Right now, view yourself and make a decision to change and to move from creation to a child of God. And just right now, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And you can repeat after me. God, I receive your love. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Help me see you as a loving father. Help me experience your forgiveness, compassion, mercy, protection. Thank you that I am a child of God. Amen. Thank you, God. Let me pray with you. I'll pray for you right now. Thank you, Father God, for your word today. Thank you, Father. Thank you that our hearts have been opened, our minds have been opened to understand you in a greater way. We thank you, Father, for all the mothers in our lives. We thank you for revealing your character through motherly love, through the characteristics. Father, let us receive your faithful love here today. We thank you that we can be children of God. We thank you, God. And anywhere in our hearts right now that we've seen you as just a ruler or king or a judge or a condemning judge, we repent, Lord. We repent. Help us to see you also 
as loving, compassionate, kind, comforting, protecting. And Lord, you are our protector. That your wings, they cover us like those little chicks. You cover us, Lord, and you protect us. And your word says that if you are for us, who or what can be against us? We don't need to be afraid. We can just put our faith and our trust in the Lord our God. And we thank you, God, for this. In Jesus' name, we thank you.